the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the show. It's a brand new week. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and this is The Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your Bible questions, questions about stuff going on in your life, anything and everything on your heart. You need only to call us. You can dial 210-340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. Numerically at 6305757. You can email questions by emailing questions at calvarysa.com or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app. And as always, if you're driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the call now banner at the top of the screen. You'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Hope and pray you had a good week at church, a good day yesterday. Um, we did. Um, um, people got saved. That's always a really, really good thing. Uh, I pray that the Lord spoke to your heart. I had a pretty challenging message for our church, and and uh, I think that's the way the Holy Spirit wants it. Uh, tonight here at Calvary Chapel, we've got our men's, women's, and youth Bible studies at 7 o'clock. And then um, um, you all come together at the same time, family affair, and then you'll be separated into different groups. Well, let me get to some questions while we await your phone calls. Our first question today comes from John. He says, hi, Pastor Ron. What is your answer for those who ask about those people? You know, and this is in parentheses, you know, the deepest, darkest Africa kind of thing who never heard about Jesus. My answer is that I trust in the fairness and just nature of my God and use that situation as motivation to do my part to make sure everyone hears about the Lord. Is that a theological or intellectual cop-out? Because I believe it's the right answer. John, I believe it's the right answer, too. Now, we've got scripture that we can turn to to support it. But um, one of the things we've got to understand is that God doesn't want to judge. Isaiah 28 says that judgment is a work that's strange to God. It's the last thing he wants to do. In fact, so judgment-averse God the Father is that he sent his only Son and, you know, as a kid, you'd say, over my dead body. Well, literally, to go to hell, we have to step over Jesus' dead body. It's something that we've got to be committed to do. That's how difficult it is to go to hell. So, um, you're right. We trust in the fairness, the just nature of God. However, we also know in Romans chapter 1, uh, we're given uh, two other clues. Um, uh, God's witness is universal uh, in creation and in conscience, the two C's of Romans 1, in creation and in conscience. In other words, uh, we can look at the sun getting up in the same place every morning, setting in the same place every evening. We can look at the seasons that are, are, are always the same. It's always cold in the winter and it's hot in the summer and, and, and then in the transition seasons between. 
um, our creation declares a designer. David wrote, the heavens declare your glory. Day after day they pour forth speech. There's no nation or language where they're not understood. So the deepest, darkest Africa type of person still gets up and can look in the eastern sky and see the sunrise, can can watch the sun set beautifully in the west. So everybody's without excuse. Conscience is the second thing that we have, John. Conscience says, why if there's no God, why why would anything bother me? Why wouldn't I do that which is only good for me? Why wouldn't I do, at whatever expense, whatever the cost to other people, that which I want to do? Well, we have a conscience. We know right and wrong. And we're born with that. It's sort of God's governor he inserted in each and every one of us that tells us that this is right, this is wrong, and we know. So between creation and conscience, we know the difference between right and wrong. We know there is something beyond that. Now, we also know that God is a rewarder of those who diligently or earnestly seek him. And what that means is that anybody who responds to the God, doesn't matter where they are in the world, anybody that responds to a God, let's say, and, and John, you may know this, I'm, I'm a guy that gets up and looks at the eastern sky every morning. I love it. That's my cue to get everything started. And um, I, I know Jesus is coming. This could be the day he's coming from that eastern sky. And uh, I commit my, my, my day to him. Well, if, if the, the deepest, darkest Africa person that you're talking about looks at that sun and starts to wonder, you know, that's not an accident. And then they make the decision, I want to know that God, God's going to reveal himself to them. The person that responds to his or her conscience has got to think, well, why does that bother me? I don't know about you, John, but before I got saved, I did a lot of things and, and, and very very few things ever bothered my conscience. But when I got saved, almost all of it bothered my conscience. So the idea is when we respond to that and we make a decision that, that there's a God out there, whatever or whoever that might be, but when we say, I want to know him, God will reveal himself to us. And we have examples. I like to use the Ethiopian eunuch. Um, he was seeking God. And God troubled Philip, who had a thriving ministry going on in Samaria, and said, go down to Gaza. And as he set out on that road south, um, he found himself right next to this Ethiopian eunuch uh, who got saved that day and and um, went back to Ethiopia and established uh, the only continuous and longest-running Christian church um, since Jesus was crucified and risen from the dead. So if you want to know who he is, he's going to reveal himself to you. That's a promise we have from the Word of God. And, of course, that means we're all going to find our way to the person of Jesus Christ. So, yes, God is just, God's fair, but he still gives us the opportunity to ask questions and figure out who he is. Thank you for the question, John. Our next question is anonymous uh, from our email inbox. Hello, Pastor Ron and Mama Paula. Blessings to both. Thank you. Uh, do you happen to know anything about James Bailey, founder and editor of Z3 News, and if the info shared is trustworthy? I value your work and walk with the Lord and highly respect your opinion. I just happened to find this when I did a search on the safety of COVID vaccines because I have a weak immune system and am afraid of getting vaccinated, especially when people are having to take multiple doses. Thank you. Uh, a couple of things. James Bailey, and I, I had not heard of him, but I did some work when I got the question and, and sort of looked him up and listened to a, a little bit of the stuff that they're publishing on podcasts. Uh, he's extreme. Uh, he, he's not well-balanced theologically. Uh, he's not somebody that would spend even a moment on. And not having heard anything from him, I'm, I'm surprised that in looking up this stuff about vaccines, you were led uh, to, to uh, Z3 News. 
Um, so, so I don't think he's a, a trustworthy, reliable source. Now, having said that, I think that's completely separate from the vaccination, uh, from the concept of, or the, the conversation regarding vaccination. Um, you have a weak immune system. Uh, you're afraid of getting vaccinated. Uh, I think it's okay. I don't think anybody should be able to force you to get a vaccination. And uh, I, I think this is such a personal issue. And and I don't know what the stake our government has in trying to make this uh, a control issue. But, but with all of my heart, I believe this is a decision that everybody should make. They should make it prayerfully. They should make it in discussions with their doctor. Um, and if you want to get vaccinated, God bless you. If you don't want to get vaccinated, God bless you. I just don't understand why this thing has hit such a nerve. I, I understand fear is in the mix. I understand the government is pushing it. For the life of me, I don't know what's in it for them. I really don't know what's in it for them. I know Big Pharma is getting rich, richer as a result of it. I, don't, I just don't get it. I'm 70 years old, and I've never been in a, in, in this country, I've never been in a situation where, where I believed um, that uh, uh, the, our government, the United States of America, would force people to do this. I also think that this vaccine mandate for working is about to be shut down uh, by the Supreme Court on Friday. They held hearings, and I actually expected a decision on it already today and haven't found anything yet. Um, but but um, don't, I wouldn't talk to a bunch of people about it. I wouldn't put myself in a position where people could try to make me feel guilty or condemn me because I didn't get the vaccine. Uh, the, my counsel to you would be do what you think is right after discussing it with your doctor and, of course, after praying with your Lord. So I, I just... This is something that I'll never understand until I'm in heaven. Then we'll find out probably that there is a, 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 a whole lot behind it that was never, ever mentioned um, in, the mainstream, in the mainstream media. I can tell you this. I, I know a lot of people personally who have had adverse reactions, heart issues, heart problems, strokes even, as a result of taking the vaccine. Now, the doctors will never say they're connected. But a healthy person gets a vaccine, and then a week later, that healthy person is in the hospital. I know that to be true. We just lost one of our uh, our beloved Calvary Chapel pastors out of San Diego area uh, who died uh, from heart disease as a result of being vaccinated. So... Uh, COVID complications. So all I can do is tell you, um, do what seems right to you and don't feel compelled to talk to anybody about it. Don't feel it necessary to defend yourself and sort of stay out of the social media firestorm where everybody's throwing rocks at each other, either because they are vaccinated or because they won't get vaccinated. So thank you. And I appreciate so much you listening to the program. Thank you very, very much. We've got Ruben on line one from Seguin. Ruben, good to hear from you. How are you doing? I am blessed, Pastor. I am blessed. I, I know that you're blessed because I could hear it in your voice. <laughs> I'm getting, I'm, I'm starting, it may not sound like it, but I'm starting to get my voice back. The um, uh, Monday's always hard for me, but uh, I've been struggling with a, Slight cold, and then these mountain cedar oh. allergies are killing me. So I, I could I could tell. I just you know didn't know what it was, but in the name of Jesus, we you know we go on, we go on. Um, Thank my, you. My uh, question, my question is, I did something this weekend that maybe I shouldn't have, or maybe the enemy just I'm letting him run a run a muck in my mind. Uh, sometimes I can't sleep, so. Uh, late at night, they show these uh, these uh, televangelists. I'm not going to say the person's name because there's no need to do that. Um, and he uh, was just—he said he was prophesying, and you know, and kind of he kind of struck a, a, a chord with me. I didn't know that uh, 
he was online that late at night. And I simply just, I don't know, I guess I just, it got to me because he was prophesying and then he was praying for people and he was saying that they're going to be healed from cancer and, and the people in his church and people from getting in wheelchairs, he would make them get up and walk. And, and I'm just like, I don't know, man. And I just <laughs> said something and, and I, and I, I told him, I said, I said, you know what, sir? Um, I said something to the lines. I basically, what I said is that he's not a prophet and, uh, he needs to stop playing with people's hearts like that. Well, yesterday I get a response from him and oh, wow. basically he, yeah, he basically curses me and to, not like literally like bad words, but he says, you know, don't you know that the Lord says they're not t- touch my anointed ones or cause them harm. Mm-hmm. And I know I've heard that, but I don't know if it's verbatim. And then he said, basically pronounce a curse over my life. He goes, he goes, 2022 is not going to be your year um, because I am a man of God and blah, 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 this and blah, blah. And for a minute, I let it go. But then during the day, it just kind of festered in me. So my question is, is like, I mean, I know I shouldn't put stock into it, but what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, Ruben, I'm really grateful. Excuse me. I'm really grateful you called with everything that you've gone through and all of the wonderful victories through your struggles that yeah. you've had. Uh, the one thing you don't need is some charlatan who claims to be a man of God uh, calling out curses over your life. So he, he is of no consequence. He is a false teacher, a false prophet. Um, certainly has forgotten all about love. Um, Jesus said, when cursed, we bless. And he chose to, to curse instead. Um, and, um, you know, I think calling him to accountability is okay. Now, I, I would advise, Ruben, that, that we don't even watch people like that. The, yeah, the minute somebody demonstrates yeah. that they're a false teacher, because the enemy's using them. And, and, yeah. and this is so difficult. And, and the, the, I, again, not, without knowing the person you're talking about, there are so many who are on the same vein. You know, that touch not the Lord's anointed thing is so f- badly taken out of context. It has nothing to do with prophets and pastors and, 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 and our current New Testament Christian culture. This is, this is David when he, <laughs> when he went in and had the opportunity to kill King Saul and chose not to do it. And still he felt guilty because he was even thinking about it. Wow, so wow. Th- th- this, is, this is a guy who has no connection at all to God. He is going to pay a heavy price. Read Jeremiah. Read Jeremiah 23 and 24 and then Second uh, okay. Peter chapter 2. And, uh, and, and part of chapter 3. And, and see what God says about these false prophets and false teachers okay so uh don't okay. don't give it don't give it another moment's thought just uh when the devil tries to bring it take those thoughts captive but he has no power over your life uh, no authority um uh, he's just the first corinthians 13 a uh, guy who's making a lot of noise and and sadly he's fleecing a lot of god's people so uh i know ignore yeah it. that's what's sad ignore it Next time you can't sleep, okay. watch Hallmark Channel or something. <laughs> Actually, I should I should get on Calvary Chapel's uh, website and watch you know watch videos of you instead of watching those things. You're right. <laughs> okay, Ruben, I'm not so sure watching watching videos of me would help you sleep either. That might cause nightmares of another sort altogether. Thank you, Ruben. No, we love no, you, man. No, thank you. Love you too. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing I would want anybody to do is watch me. If you, have, you listen to me, it's okay. But don't watch me. That's that's horrible. I keep telling the church, you know, the problem now is that with all this technical equipment, we have high-def cameras, and I've got a very low-def face. So I, I wouldn't want anybody to have to watch me in the middle of the night. Good question, Ruben. Three four zero ninety five eighty five for your live calls and questions. Here's a question from Victor. He says, do you think Melchizedek was a theophany or a real human? Um, Victor, he was um, uh, both. Now, I'm not copping out here. I'll explain in a moment. 
Um, Melchizedek was a real person. He was the Lord Jesus Christ um, before the manger. Um, the prince of Salem, Jerusalem. Salem means peace, shalom. Um, no beginning and no end, no genealogy. He, he, uh, he blessed Abraham and uh, Abraham worshipped him. So uh, Melchizedek was a uh, uh, an appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Victor, let me recommend a good book to you. It's it's a book, uh, I think it's still available on Amazon. It's called Christ Before the Manger uh, by Ron Rhodes, R-H-O-D-E-S. Um, and he talks about the, the, the pre-incarnate appearances of Jesus Christ. So um, he was a theophany or Christophany. That's an appearance of Jesus. But also because Jesus was a real human, uh, Melchizedek was a, a real human. He was a picture or an appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Jesus said to his critics, um, Melchizedek, I mean, uh, 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 Abraham saw my day. And uh, when did Abraham see him? He saw him when Melchizedek appeared to him. Good question. Here's the, let me see. Okay, just got a five-minute warning. So let me see if I can do this question in five minutes. From Joe. He says, do you think the church is waning in influence? And if so, why? Um, Joe, I think the church has been waning in influence since the day of Pentecost, since the first century church. I think the church has gotten comfortable. Uh, and let me just confine my remarks to the United States. That there's There's been exceptions. We've had great revivals and movements of God throughout history. But in, in our country, um, the church has lost its influence. And I, I personally think there's two major reasons. One, we've stopped proclaiming the Word of God. Um, we have so watered down the Word of God in the interest of performing, in the interest of gathering big crowds or, or collecting lots of money. Um, the church is waning in influence because we no longer have any solid foundation to stand on. I can't tell you how many people, having a program like this, the people that I get to talk to when they come and visit the church, I can't tell you how many people um, are just so biblically illiterate because the, the church that they're going to doesn't teach them the Word. We have no um, foundation from which to fight. I also, Joe, think the church is waning in influence because we've lost our sense of value when it comes to personal holiness. Um you know, the Holy Spirit is the source of our power. Uh, since he is holy, we've got to be men and women who walk in personal holiness. If, in fact, we are going to have power, the power of God at our disposal. And I think we've decided we're going to make it a good show. We're going to worry more about entertaining people. And we worry um, almost not at all anymore about, is the church holy? I'll give an example. Um I was asked last Thursday or Friday on the program about worship. And it just seems like all people want on stage is a good music group to perform. Good worship, and I'm talking about the quality of worship, um, brings people in. And yet I know a lot of churches have unbelievers performing the worship because they're good, because they can play. I warn my worship people all the time. Be sure that you can stand before God's people and sing those lyrics. And I just think there's a song, I think it was Matt Redman, um, who um, my producer will be able to tell me, um, we're sorry for the worship. For We're, we're coming back to the heart of worship. And um, uh, that, that was a song that the worship industry needed to hear. We've made worship something other than what it really is. We've we've turned it into a performance. And, um, you know, to worship God, we've got to walk in holiness. It's almost, I can hear God saying, take off thy shoes, thy sandals, Moses, for the ground you're standing on is holy ground. 
and the church is being influenced by the world around us you know, instead of us influencing the world. And I think it is an absolute travesty. And I think it all stems from the fact that we've sort of lost our way when it comes to the Word of God. So, Joe, yes, I do think the church is waning in influence. I think it's a tragedy. On the other hand, let me say this, it's not unexpected because that's exactly what the Bible says is going to be happening in these last days. We've got people who want to be one foot in the world, one foot in church, and and you know that's just not something God is going to permit. Uh, the church at Laodicea was a compromised church. The church at Thyatira was a corrupt church. Uh, you can go all the way back to Ananias and Sapphira when hypocrisy infiltrated the church for the very first time. And you can see God's reaction to it. Joe, we need to stand with Jesus. We need to stand for Jesus. The only way we can do that is in the Word. Walking in holiness. We've got 30 minutes left in the program. 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. This is the Word to Stand On for Life. I'll be back in two minutes. back to the word to stand on for life we're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR now here's pastor ron arbaugh welcome back thanks for hanging in there with us 340-9585 for your live calls and questions here is a question from jackie she says when seeking God's will, should we ask him for signs to confirm what we hear? Um, Jackie is never a good thing to ask for signs. Now, let's talk about this for a moment. Our heart's right. God understands that. He knows we really don't want to be wrong. And for the most part, our motives are good. Good motives. Lord, I just don't want to do the wrong thing. I don't want to misrepresent you. I want to be sure I'm in your will, whatever it is that you're talking about. But but remember, ours is a walk by faith. It's not a walk by sight. And when we say, okay, Lord, give me a sign. Jesus said it's an evil and adulterous generation that seeks after signs. Jesus, the absence of those signs, Jackie, is him trying to teach you to trust him. And here's the thing, and I hope this gives you some relief. This was one of the things that absolutely changed my life. I learned that if my heart was right, even when I was wrong, God protected me. So my fallback position has always been, okay, Lord, if you're telling me to do this, I'm going to do it now. It's too, it's playing it too safe. Remember, following Jesus by faith is risky. It's got all kinds of, of difficulties. We're going to be afraid. We're going to be nervous. We don't want to, 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 to do the wrong thing. But Jesus is just asking you to trust him. Just trust him. And if again, I want to say it. If our heart is right, we don't have to be right. And Jackie, that ought to remove all the pressure off you. And I have, in my walk with the Lord, now it's 31 years next month, I have made bad decisions enough times to learn this lesson. My heart was right. I wanted to honor God. I thought the Lord spoke to my heart. I was just sharing with, with a pastor on staff today that um, uh, I got sort of taken to the spiritual woodshed um, between Thanksgiving and December, but it's in Thanksgiving and Christmas. Um, you know, just asking God to search my heart. And God had been asking me to do something for some time. And I, I convinced myself, okay, I'm going to do it. But, you know, this is an expensive thing. And so I, I think we need this amount of money first. 
And and God kind of let me wrestle with that for about a month. And finally, one day, I went out walking with him, and he just sh- shredded me. And I, I mean this in the, in the most loving way. When have I ever asked you to, 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 to wait for the resources before taking a step of faith? Haven't I shown myself faithful? Do you trust me or don't you trust me? And, and Jackie, the one thing that I never want God to ask me again is, haven't I been faithful? And so uh, I repented. I fixed it that very week, the first opportunity. And um, we took a step of faith, and it's now starting to come into focus a little bit. And, um, you know, if I'm wrong, God's got me. My heart's right. God's got me. One of the things I think we get tripped up on is Gideon. You know, Gideon, uh, God told him what to do. Gideon knew it was God speaking to him. And Gideon, because he was afraid, he threw out a fleece. God, in his grace, gave him what he asked. And then he said, well, well, let me do it one more time. And Gideon's fleeces were not good things. They were a, a result of his weak faith. And what we want to do is learn to trust God more. So, no, when you're seeking God's will, you know the Bible. Make sure it lines up with the Word of God and go for it. And if you're afraid, then it's probably an indication that you, you've heard God's will just fine. But, um, you know, we don't wait until we have no more fear or till things make sense to us. We have to walk by faith and not by sight. Remember, without faith, Hebrews eleven six says, it's impossible to please God. And, and God would never put us in a place where we couldn't please him. So walk by faith. Here is a question from Philip. I laugh. Philip, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. He says, my biggest problem spiritually is laziness and procrastination. How can I fix this in 2022? And my producer said, tell him to wait till next year to deal with it. And, of course, he was just kidding. Um, Philip, write this down. Discipline. You can't please God if you're not disciplined. Self-control is the fruit of the Spirit. You can't please God if you're undisciplined. Now, you've identified the problem. So, Philip, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you, what are you going to do about it? All you have to do in 2022 when you're already two weeks late getting started, I don't remember when I got this question, but, Philip, all you have to do is get up in the morning and be with Jesus. Walk with him. Follow him. And if you'll do that, then without any question, you'll deal with these issues. So just stop it. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. Just stop it. So, Philip, you got a choice to make. Let's go to Cindy on line one from San Antonio. Hi, Cindy. Thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hi, Pastor Ron. I um, We were in Psalm 23 a few Wednesdays ago, and I'm still kind of hanging out in there. And uh, the part that I've been thinking about is where it says, Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, I know our staff is a support, you know, and it's protection. We lean on it. You know, we get fed the Word of God. And, and you know, like if you're hiking, there's nothing like a good staff, you know, to help you get up the hill. But where I'm thinking about is the rod. And to me, that sounds like correction. And not necessarily punishment, but correction, I think, is a better word uh, for punishment. Um, because you, you need correction. When I was a kid, I got spanked, you know, often. And I never had a bad attitude about getting spanked. I didn't like getting spanked, but I, I didn't have a, I didn't have anger over it. And I, you know, didn't think it was unfair because I knew in my heart, whatever it is I did, that I was wrong and I was being corrected. And for some reason, the, the, the fact that your rod, you know, comforts me, it, it kind of gives me a comfort, but I don't know if I'm interpreting this or if I'm just kind of out in la la land on it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll let you um, 
uh, talk about it, and I'll get off the phone and put the radio back on sound. Bye. Bye, Cindy. Thank you. God bless you. Um, you're never out in Lola land, so I appreciate your questions. They're very thoughtful. Um, you're, you're absolutely right. A couple of things. One, uh, re- remember, we have to view this from a shepherd's perspective. And um, uh, while sheep were grazing, the, the shepherd would lean on his staff. Um, Moses, we know, took his staff with him everywhere he went. Um, but we also remember the rod. And, and you're right, it's a rod of correction. And it speaks more of discipline. Um, the New Testament says God disciplines those he loves. It's a sign of love. And and so we need to, to understand to be disciplined. But that rod of correction uh, ought to be very comforting to us uh, because when we need to be corrected, we don't want to stay off course. Um, and that's what that rod is for. And and uh, the shepherd would would uh, tap his sheep on the side to get him to turn one way or the other. Um, uh, he would use his rod and his staff. The staff was also uh, at times a weapon. Um, he would use that to fight off predators. So um, uh, David, likening himself to a big old fat sheep, boasting about the goodness of his shepherd, uh, understood that I'm, I'm in a safe place. I'm in a comfortable place. My shepherd will protect me. And that's exactly what he's trying to communicate in Psalm 23. The one thing that I hope everybody understands about the 23rd Psalm is that it's a psalm of reflection. Uh, David, always a shepherd at heart, but David wrote this psalm uh, in his advanced years. And he's looking back on a life, a life that he, frankly, tried to mess up a whole bunch of times, uh, guilty of, of pretty grievous sin at times. But but having made it to the end or near the end of his life, he's looking back, reflecting on his life, and he's saying, how did I get here? I've been so blessed. God has been so good to me. And and the answer, how did I get here, would be, well, the Lord is my shepherd. He's the one leading me. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He knows what I need when I need it. And all the while we're out there, and David's perspective here would be, um, I'm a fat, well-protected, loved sheep, but look at all the other sheep whose shepherds aren't my shepherd. So this was real sheep and shepherds, but it was also David looking at the shepherd in his life was, was Almighty God. And he just says, you know, I'm fat, I'm content, I'm protected, God's got me, and he'll protect me. So that's the, 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 the richness of Psalm 23. Uh, it's, it's not a, a poem or a song in the sense that somebody's writing it and hoping it's true. This is somebody who's lived it and emerged through it on the other side. Thank you for that, Cindy. Appreciate it. Randy says, uh, Pastor Ron, I come from a hyper-charismatic background and I'm confused about would or sh- what should or shouldn't be permitted in church. Can you help? Um, Randy, you, you know, pretty much anytime you use the word hyper, um, you're out of balance and, and, and the, the, the attendant practices of hyper-charismatics ought not to be allowed in church. It's out of control. Church needs to be a place where control is exercised. So um, I assume you're talking about tongues or people saying they're prophets or giving words. Um, You know, the pastor of every church, Randy, is responsible to maintain order in that church. It's, It's the pastor's job to protect the people. And we protect them from extremes. And hyper charismania is an extreme. And the behaviors that go on in those churches certainly should not be permitted. Um, everybody speaking in tongues at the same time. Uh, there's no connection to the Holy Spirit at all with that. Uh, people falling over and having these exotic experiences. Um, all that stuff is inconsistent with what the Word says. So, Randy, I just not too long ago completed uh, a study 
Um, I think we completed it early in December in 1 Corinthians. So you can go to our website, calvarysa.com, and listen to the studies I did. And there's a lot of them. But listen to the studies I did in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, chapter 13, and chapter 14. Chapter 12 describes the gifts, what they are, and how to use them, uh, the value of them. Chapter 13, the love chapter, of course, describes the motive and the use of the gifts. And chapter 14 describes the proper use of the gifts in a church setting. So um, go to the website, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, and I hope that will give you a clue. Thank you, Randy. Mick says, why did Jesus have to experience death in order to redeem us? Uh, Mick, the answer to that one is easy. Without the shedding of blood, meaning death, there's no remission of sins. Um, uh, when we die, uh, someone has to live and fulfill the law. Remember, the, 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 the thing that, that we too often forget in uh, our modern culture is that the only way to get into heaven is to be perfect. That's the only way. Now, obviously, Mick, that excludes you and it excludes me. So we got to figure out a way to be perfect. And since we can't be perfect, Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, um, Jesus has this remarkably hard teaching, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, and, and I, I, I don't think the Jews comprehended it. Blessed are the peacemakers. What do you mean, blessed are the peacemakers? Uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. And and he gets to the end of it, and he sums it up in chapter 5, verse 40. He says, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Well, that's the only way we can get to heaven apart from faith in Jesus Christ. And since we can't be perfect, Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, he who became, or, or he who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. Now think about that, Mick. My life, 31 years ago, next month, was an absolute disaster. Um, me and Perfect didn't even understand the language. And yet on that day, Jesus came into my heart and gave me his perfection. He took my sin, my filth, and gave me his perfection. And the result of that was from that day forward, this is Romans 3.24, we were just as if we'd never sinned. The only way for that to have had uh, to have had have happened is Jesus dying. Father, if there's any way this cup can pass for me, the Father said no. He asked three times. Three times the Father said no. This cup cannot pass because he was thinking about you, Mick, and he was thinking about me. And the only way to accomplish that was death. I know a lot of unbelievers struggle with this idea of blood and why do things have to die without the shedding of blood. And this goes all the way back to the beginning. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. Mick, think I don't have anybody on the line, so I'm not keeping anybody holding. But Mick, think about this for a moment. When Adam and Eve fell in Genesis chapter 3, God looks for them. Now, I'm using human language because God knew exactly where they were. But Adam, Adam, where art thou, Adam? And Adam said, we're hiding from you because we're naked. And the sense there is, I'm ashamed. Now, they were always naked, but their nakedness was covered by the unfallen glory of God. And suddenly, when the glory departed, that Old Testament word, Ichabod, when the glory departed because sin, uh, because they were guilty of sin, uh, if you eat of the fruit of the tree uh, of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. Well, they died spiritually at that moment. And they were aware of their nakedness. God's glory had departed. Now, they couldn't walk around in shame. So the next time we see Adam talking with God, he and Eve are covered with the skins of an animal. Now think about this for a moment. Those animals were his pets. God gave him dominion over them. Nothing had ever died up to that moment. 
And God would have told them, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin, so go find this animal and kill it. And the next time we see them, they're wearing the fur. That fur is covering their nakedness. They tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. That didn't work. So God had them go make something die. Can you imagine? We can't even imagine the horror of that moment. When he would take the animal and cut its throat, when he would hear the animal squeal trying to get away. At that moment, Adam and Eve understood just how much sin costs. And of course, that was a picture of what it would cost our Father in heaven. So that's why he had to experience death, Make Without his dying, there's no way we can live. Good question. Here's a question from Dale. Dale wants to know, how can I get rid of really ugly thoughts that just come popping into my head? You know, Dale, you can't get rid of them. Um, and, and the reason you can't get rid of them is because they come from an outside source. Um, the enemy is going to use your past. Uh, he's going to do anything and everything that he can to try to keep you from walking with Jesus. So um, you've got to decide that you're going to resist those thoughts. Take every thought captive, make him obedient to Christ. So first, I think part of the battle is just understanding it's not sin to have those thoughts. Sin can develop when we dwell on those thoughts. And then, of course, when we act out on those thoughts, is what James says happens. We sin because we want to. Um, but, but you know, you can't make them stop. Um, I can't make them stop. I have nightmares. I can't make those stop. But what I can do um, is just realize their source is the devil. Um, he wants to destroy me. And Jesus has redeemed me. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And so it's one of the things that we've really got to understand. Um, this is just part of living in a fallen world. And then we deal with those thoughts as they come and turn them into obedience for the glory of our God. So don't be discouraged just because you have them, Dale. Just don't dwell on them. Um, they really get to be pervasive. Um, always have your Bible with you. And um, start reading. Pick up reading where you left off or go uh, start reading in the Psalms. Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9 uh, ought to be a, a constant companion for you. And if you'll do that, um, the enemy will start trying other stuff. If this doesn't work anymore, he'll try other stuff. He'll never stop leaving you alone or, or he, he's, he's never going to leave you alone uh, but he, but he'll try different approaches. He wants to do that which works. I'm down to four minutes. I thought I had time for calls. Can give the phone numbers? I don't. Um, here's what I was talking about before. This is a question from Josh. He says, "Don't you think worship has turned more into performance, and is God pleased by modern worship?" Um, Josh, in many places, it's turned into performance. Um, God's not pleased. God will not share his glory with any of us. Um, we really worship for an audience of one. Now, people who have the gift of worship, and, and let me brag for a minute. I'm, I'm, I'm boasting in the Lord now. Um, my worship pastor, he's been on the program, Pastor Lane. Um, I wouldn't trade him for any other worship leader in the world. I mean, I'm a huge, huge Beach Boy fan that just goes how far back I go. If the Beach Boys came in and said, would you let me be your worship leader? I'd say, no, I have one already. And he really makes worship worship. Now, he and the group, and the group is a reflection of his leadership in his heart for sure. But the idea is he loves Jesus. And he's able, as I mentioned earlier, in a question, he's able to sing the lyrics of those songs without hypocrisy. He's not perfect, but he wants to be. And he's not interested in people saying, that was great worship, oh man, you you were really moving me. And, uh, and uh, He's not interested in that. He's interested in singing love songs to Jesus. And Josh, that's what worship is supposed to be. And God is not pleased by anything else. I don't think 
your description of modern worship is really the... Uh, I don't think that it's the style of worship. I think it's the hearts of the worshipers. You know, when somebody comes into our sanctuary and they've been arguing with their wife or arguing with their husband, or maybe the night before they were out and they were doing things they know they weren't supposed to do, and then they walk in and their arms go up. It doesn't matter how beautiful worship is. It's not a worship that pleases God from those people because God wants their heart to be committed to him. Jesus said that the Father, and this he said to the woman at the well, Samaria, he said the Father is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And remember the Holy Spirit. The only way you can worship in the Spirit is to be holy, to walk in the will of God. And in truth, our lives have to match up with the things that we're saying and doing. Josh, one thing let me comment on. Don't let what other people do affect your ability to worship. If you think somebody's up there performing, close your eyes and just sing your own love songs to God. But by and large, Josh, I think you're right. I think worship in many places, because worship bands attract people. I think we've lost our way. Not here at Calvary Chapel. I hope not at your church either. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Remember our men's, women's, and youth Bible studies tonight here at 7 o'clock. You're listening to The Word to Stand On for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.